Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today, I catch up with Cub member Matt Miller, the co-founder of cybersecurity company Brace168. Matt truly opened my eyes and made me realize that everybody has a story. He shared his life experiences and and how he overcame two huge life adversities and the lessons that he learned in dealing with adversities in doing so. I think this is an incredibly relevant episode, especially after 2020 and what many of us are still going through. Matt's stories and lessons truly put things into perspective and show what's important in life. I highly recommend everybody listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Enjoy the show. I was, I was explaining to Matt Millie here, I guess, that I was like, mate, look, the first uh, couple of minutes, you, you, you know, you got to loosen up and you feel a bit nervous. He was like, mate, I was in radio. So, I mean, I feel like that's something you should have put in your pre- preparation sheet for me to know. Yeah, look, back in the day, um, I worked in advertising back in the, in the heady 90s. Yeah. And I worked in, um, in radio out in the country, actually. Um, where Country radio. Country radio of all places, where John Laws actually started his career. Oh, wow. Radio 2G, uh, was it? Um, two, two, not 2GB. 2G, uh, 2GZ in Orange. Oh, really? Yeah, I know, of all places. So, um, yeah, I used to go out and do um, sort of outside broadcasts and uh, go around country New South Wales and do this sort of stuff for a living. So <laughs> you, was, you were a country boy, obviously. Oh, yeah. You, from Orange? From Orange. Oh, well, we're going to get into that and in, into your story as well. But but um, why don't you start by kind of introducing um, um, your business and what it does because it's in cybersecurity and, and me and you were having a conversation the other day and I thought, hey, we've never had – any talk on this podcast about cybersecurity. And at the moment, it seems like everyone's getting hacked. So I thought <laughs> oh, no. we'd probably learn a bit about it. It's the place to be. Um, yeah, I'm very busy at the moment. So, you know, um, cyber seems to be the, uh, the, the, the headline uh, every day. So, um, yeah, Brace 168 started back in 2017. Um, uh, very much a pure play cybersecurity company. At the time, it was, uh, you know, cyber was becoming a thing big thing um, and Greg and I, um, the other the other founder, uh, we looked at it a little bit differently to uh, your average sort of cyber company. So we wanted to turn cyber on its head basically and work with partners um, and sort of augment the, um, ultralistically augment the, uh, the, the industry and try and help people who were out there actually trying to sell cyber and um, get the right accreditations, the right certifications and and also bring the right vendors to market um, that would support them and give their customers a better experience. And so, what do you mean? So, what do you mean by augment the industry? So, there's a lot of people out there saying that they do cyber, um, and realistically, it's um, there's a lot of people out there selling firewalls or they're selling, you know, endpoints or that's not cyber. That's not cyber. That's selling products. Okay, well, what yeah. is cyber then? Cyber is actually getting to know your customer, getting to know their risk profile, getting to understand um, what. Um, they're scared of, I suppose. You know, like you know, if something were to go uh, go to ro- go wrong with their IT, what you know, how do they recover? You know, what's the impact? Will they lose money? Will they lose reputation? Um, so it's actually thinking about this very differently, opposed to trying to sell them another product to fix another problem. So rather than so your guys' approach is rather than just saying, "Hey, you need cyber," so here's a firewall, is more holistic in terms of. Okay, well, what is it that you need to protect? What are your 
what are the biggest risks and what are the results of them? If it goes wrong, yeah. what happens if it goes wrong? And if it did go wrong, what can we have in place to, to resolve that again? And is that kind of coming from a more holistic view or, or a more strategic uh, cybersecurity view that you feel that that's how you've turned the industry on its head or, or, yeah. or is it something else? Um, look, like I say, it, it is understanding your customer and the, the pain points. Um, like, you know, we saw one in the other day, the colonial pipeline thing over in the US, right, where a hacker um, uh, cryptoed the entire pipeline, the whole supply chain of petrol. Um, who would have thought that, you know, those sorts of things are possible? Um, but they are. You know, there's um, anything's possible out there in, in digital land, right? So um, it is about um, working alongside our partners. We want them to sell more firewalls. We want them to sell more product. But what we want to do is um, make sure that the customer and the partner see cyber as not a set and forget. It's a journey. It never finishes because people's risk profile changes every day. They bring on a new uh, employee, their risk profile changes. They bring on a new customer, their risk profile changes. Um, they enter a new you know, market, their risk profile changes. And how would you describe a risk profile? A risk profile is something that, um, you know, reputational is probably the um, one that everyone's scared of, being a headline, because reputational takes generations to get over, right? Like um, a really simple one is um, the Equinix, um, oh, sorry, the uh, Equifax uh, hack there a couple of years ago where um, they were one of the biggest breaches in, um, uh, in the world. And, you know, something like 200 million personal records got uh, leaked out there on the internet. Or um, like if a bank gets, has a cybersecurity issue and they don't disclose it because that was in the news a few that's times. That's right, yeah, it? exactly. Like that's, that's really detrimental to them um, both on their share price, um, you know, getting new customers, losing customers. Like it's, it is massively detrimental to that business. And when you say your partners and, and <laughs> so uh, I'm assuming the people that install things and whatnot, so what is, what is the model of your, of your business? How does it actually operate? So our model is that we, um, we enter into a contract with a, um, a traditional sort of IT company um, that, you know, has a, a good trusted reputation with their customer base um, and then they then introduce us as their trusted cybersecurity partner. Okay, so um, we've got a bit of a motto and, um, you know, the people who hear this will have a bit of a chuckle because they hear me say it all the time is you never mark your own homework, right? So... Um, and what that means is that uh, when the, um, the traditional IT company goes and uh, positions us, um, they're actually saying to their customer, we're not the best at that. These guys are the best at that. You're going to get the best. And by the way, they're keeping us honest as well, right? So you're going to get a very honest view of your cybersecurity. We're not going to try and uh, hoodwink you into buying a new product to fix that particular yeah, problem. Yeah, it's a good sales strategy. And also... Yeah. You know, you, it's much easier for you to mm. sell because you kind of well, a you don't need to hire salespeople. You just need to make good partnerships. So you That's save right. the sales team, and and then um, uh, your partnerships become yours. I mean, they need to sell IT services, so they're out there doing the the, the work, and you're providing. You're, you're a great plug-in for them. So really, you just want to meet a lot of great IT, which probably is good for you at Cub because we have a lot of good IT people at Cub. Yeah, exactly. Well, the other thing, it makes them more competitive as well. Mm. So if they're up against, a, you know, a big end of town type of player and they, they need cyber or they're going for a, a tender or they can introduce, um, you know, our skills, our accreditation and our experience to, um, to help them win more business as well. Mm. It makes them bigger than what they are. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of like, this is very stupid, but I went to a Tony. Have you ever been to Tony Robbins? I haven't, I haven't been, no, no, no but so, I've, yeah. 
at the, oh, years ago, it would have been like the second year at Cub, I went with two friends of mine, uh, Lillian and, and Zoe, and uh, they, they were like, oh, we're going to Tony Robbins. I was like, I, don't, I didn't even know who he was. And I went and, and what I noticed is before, like, he, <laughs> I don't even know how I'm connecting these two stories, but before he got on stage, every time before he got on stage, there was someone up there just saying like, oh, he's changed my life. This is how good he is. But, but that's what it's, it's kind of your sales system because yeah. like before you even get there, someone else is telling the client how good you are, you know, like, oh, they're the best. That's why we use them. You know, so yeah. you got like a good Tony Robbins well, sales model. Which is, which is exactly that. Not, so I got, a, I got a phone call the other day from a CIO from a really well-known company. And he rang my number and I've answered the phone. He said, oh, this is Mike from X, Y, and Z. And I said, um, oh, g'day. You know, he goes, I had to ring you. I'm hearing your name everywhere. <laughs> and I've gone, what do you mean? He goes, all the partners that we have in here are talking about, about Brace 168 and they're talking about Matt Miller. So I thought I had to introduce myself to see what you guys actually did. So it actually does work because you, you get the customer gets the um, our dimension from many different sort of perspectives, right? So yeah. um, it actually, yeah, the that's sales strategy actually does work for us. It, the best social proof is when someone else says it. You know, if you say, "Hey, I'm the best," or if I say, oh, "We're the best networking company," um, you know, we create the best system. I mean, yeah, okay, like you're confident, but I don't know if you're if you're telling the truth. But if other people say, "Hey," The networking is amazing. I meet the best people. They've got the – it's like a family-like culture. The, the networking service is the greatest I've ever seen in this country, I think, in the world. You know, then, you, <laughs> then you believe it. You're like, oh, shit, I've got to go check out that place. So it's a really good, incredible system. And, and I guess um, cybersecurity is one of those things – you know, it's kind of all security. It's one of those things that like um, sometimes you don't do it until it's too late. You're like – you, until you, look, you know, if someone breaks in your house, steals your shit, mm. you get scared. You put all the security cameras. You put, you, know, right. you might not do it before that. And, and I guess, how do you get over that barrier? How do you look? No, no one likes paying for their insurance, right? You know, it's just a common thing that we hate paying for our insurance, but we do it every year, but begrudgingly because that one time that you need it, um, it's the most. And then you go, thank God, I paid my insurances. You know, it actually is paying off. Um, and that's what cyber is, right? So we are um, that insurance policy to avoid um, those particular you know, uh, issues in the future. Yeah, cyber. It's like yeah. So insurance is just a more community accepted or what? Yeah, society society accepted thing that you need to do to to be sensible in life. And yeah. and I guess it would be convincing or at least educating markets, especially business, but it's not even businesses. It could be at home. You've got things on your laptop, photos, like, you know, kids, kids, Absolutely. Yeah, kids is a, is a massive one. Yep. Obviously you guys focus on business. So that's your, that's your, that's your. Absolutely. And you know, the, um, as we've sort of grown and scaled, the big end of town is sort of, you know, wanting our skills more and more, but you know, what we're starting to see is that we're becoming more relevant at, at a board level. Right. So now that with the new sort of governance and um, legislation um, that's you know eking its way into the um, into the market, people are taking this more and more seriously. So they see us as being a, a really important seat at the board, um, and we actually do sit on a couple of boards of some some of our customers. So um, that allows us to sort of have a voice. Um, that allows us to to work with customers and understand them from top down, not just from the IT room. Um, so that we can work with our customers on their risk profiling and really talk to them um, at a business level about 
you know, protecting their their digital assets and protecting their brand and reputation. And um, those can, you know, those types of topics are, are becoming more and more, um, I suppose, uh, happening a lot more than what they they were even two years ago. More relevant. Absolutely. And so did COVID cause a spike in your industry or did it affect you quite negatively? Um, I think, well, we grew 300% last year. Oh, so it was a big spike. What, and the start of last year was, um, you know, very concerning for everyone, not just us. Um, you know, we're a small startup that, um, that had big aspirations in the middle of a pan- pandemic. Um, and what happened is that um, the, the market, from my perspective, didn't stop. It just became disparate. Um, everyone just sort of went and worked from home and, and what that did, it changed the landscape and it really put a lot of pressure on IT and IT policy. Um, so, you know, and it sh- really did show the cracks in people's infrastructure and the way that they were able to manage their users and um, and I think it, 99% of the industry did extremely well to, you know, to, to handle that. Um, but, you know, we also saw a, a big spike in, you know, state-based actors, um, which is you know, international hackers and whatever else. Um, what, did you, what did you call it? State-based State actor, ha- actors, yeah. What, what are you, so, um, not any, like actors. like No, they're <laughs> threat actors or, you know, bad. I was like, Russell Crowe probably needs some cyber security. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Russell, if you're listening yeah. to this. Yeah. Uh, no, it's um, uh, pretty much out of Asia. Um, so, uh, and we saw and on the 19th of June last year when, um, you know, Scott Morrison or ScoMo came out and said that, you know, the, the Australian government was under a cybersecurity attack and from a state um, we saw a massive ut- uptick in uh, phishing attacks and phishing campaigns around that time. Um, Are you saying uh, other governments were trying to hack our correct. government? Yeah. yeah, without saying that. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> you just said it. I just said it. <laughs> and, and, okay, well, that, I mean, that's all interesting but – I mean, you briefly mentioned you're from the country. Yep. You're from Orange. Uh, you're in radio and, and, and media. Yeah. I guess why don't you share with us a bit more about your story, how you actually ended up in security and where you're from, where, you, where your family was like, um, <laughs> how big your footy is. Yeah, so I was actually born in um, Sydney. Um, Mum and Dad moved out to Orange when I was about two or three. Um, I don't remember that. Um, and then I, I went to school, very normal sort of schooling out in the country, um, played a lot of footy, um, you know, um, Orange is a very cold place, so sat in front of plenty of fires. Um, and, um, yeah, sort of, uh, you know, I knew that there was a bigger world out there and whatever else. And I went to uni, I, I did an accounting degree um, in Bathurst actually at Charles Sturt University and um, worked out really quickly that I'm not an accountant. Uh, I don't have the, <laughs> the patience for it at all. And uh, so I moved to Sydney and um, I got a job in advertising. So um, at a small little boutique firm over in Manly, actually, it was really cool. And um, anyway, what it taught me was um, even though I was 21 at the time, I couldn't keep up with the industry. It was just a, it was really fast. It was exciting, but, you know, it also had its pressures. Um, When was that in the 90s? That was 95. And that's when advertising was going real crazy, wasn't it? Oh, it was mad. It was you know, it, you know, I was entertaining or being entertained breakfast, lunch and dinner. So I had 12 months of I can't remember basically. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Um, but during that time I actually became really good friends with the, um, uh, with the IT guy. And back then like IT was pretty much, you know, just a little bit of internet, nothing, you know, a little bit of – Bit email. of a printer. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like there wasn't much at all. But he taught me how to write a program. He taught me how to – 
uh, run a database. And back then it was like that to me was, wow, he's really opening up my eyes. So I went back and did back to Bathurst and did an IT degree. So he, that guy, you know, I can't remember his name now. Um, you really should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really Sounds should. like he changed your life. He did, he did. <laughs> Um, so I went back to back to Bathurst and did my IT degree, and and that's when I f- started my first company. So out there in Bathurst um, with a friend an of mine, IT my, company, yeah, an IT company. I should have kept it going. It probably would be bigger than Apple now. So <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. And did you was was owning a business something that you always um, that you always wanted to do, or, or how did you, like what, what was the reasoning to wanting to start your own business? Um, I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial sort of flair. mind, you know, like not even a flair. It's more of a um, I don't need other people to tell me that that's possible or, you know, I don't need that constraint. I, you know, I tend to, you know, I was the guy, I was the kid mowing the lawns um, when everyone else was out, you know, riding on their bikes or, you know, I was the guy earning money early on, on in the piece. Um, and I've always been a worker. I've always really enjoyed working. I enjoy going to work um, and I, I really enjoy producing. Um, and I've had, a few, um, I've had a few jobs. They've been great but they've also been really constra- um, a lot of constraint around, you know, that flair, that entrepreneurial sort of, you know, ideology or ethos or whatever you want to call it. Supp- suppressive of ideas yeah. and innovations, yeah. Yeah, like, you know. Or I'm, ambition. <laughs> yeah, well, ambition yeah. or, you know, that – and – you know, I, I enjoy sort of coming up with an idea and I, I really enjoy coming up with an idea that, you know, takes flight, you know, that you see something cr- being created and then all of a sudden there's money in the bank and you go, well, some, you know, someone else actually values this as well. Um, and to me that's, that's success, you know, that when other people, um, you know, see, what, see your idea or that sort of dream or that sort of passion and then they're willing to pay money for it, you go, well, I've done something right. Mm. You know, it's – I watched MasterChef and um, I've, you know, watched it for many years and as not everyone in Australia has. But there was a – there was actually a saying in there is, um, you know, the, the uh, ideology of a chef is to make other people happy with their food. And that really resonates with me is that we should do things that make us happy but also make other people, you know, want to be part of it or be happy as well, right, and be part of that team and – and enjoy, you know, your idea or, or enjoy a collective of ideas. Well, I mean, I, I completely agree with that ideology because, uh, I mean, that's a, a lot of what Cub's purpose is. Mm. Uh, well, a lot of the reason we do what we do and we support the people we support, people like self-business owners, is because we believe business is a force for good. And, and I mean, it, it could be in many ways, obviously – <laughs> the taxes, the, the jobs, the, the yep. services you provide, but it's not—it's not so much that. that that's amazing. That—that's that, the pillars. But what's I think more important, the essence of it, is that you've got communities and you've got you're building little communities or big communities, and the communities are people that come together every day. They support each other. They create good habits. So if you're in a healthy team, a great company, it really, it really, it, it appreciates you and it, it stimulates you and encourages you to do things. You, you, you're creating better human beings. And, and it, I mean, while our purpose is to build friendships, build, build real relationships between um, entrepreneurs and business owners, um, um, allowing them to kind of build that personal business community that can support them, uh, while that's so like uh, it's a beautiful thing, you know, it's kind of like, well, we make friends for a living between people. Like, yeah. you know, you're doing a beautiful thing for beautiful people. But even if your business was like 
even in any industry, really, the business itself, you're providing people, you're in control as the business owner um, of basically how people's majority of their lives outside of the home is going to be, you know, and that's a big responsibility. Yep. And and I think that's kind of what you're describing. I went on a big rant just then, but yep. that that's what you, is that kind of what you yeah, mean? I love I love the rant. It was yeah. The, the <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's if you can sort of um, you know bring that community together, and that's why I love Cub. You know, I really enjoy it. I think that the network's great, and um, I can see a lot of potential for myself. Um, you know, both as a participant, but also as a bit of a spectator to it as well. Is you know, I think that it's a, a really good community to be part of. But you know. The, the IT and the cybersecurity industry is really small too, you know, and that's where, you know, I, I see a lot of competition. It's very healthy competition, but there's also a lot of camaraderie and we're in this together and, you know, we sort of want to build a better industry so that everyone benefits from it. Like this is not – the, the cybersecurity industry I think is actually quite altruistic. We're actually trying to fix a very big problem and we're trying to do it very, very quickly. Um, and customers are now starting to see the value in it so it's getting quicker. And it's getting it's getting harder. The problems aren't getting smaller, um, and you know, with re, uh, so you've got a multitude of different variables that are putting more and more pressure into the industry. So, as a participant in that industry, we all need to band together and really make make it better for everyone. Mm. And um, also, you're kind of all going through the same um, new territory, in a sense, together. In that, there's constantly new issues and threats. There's there's a constant growing need for more cybersecurity, which means you need more cybersecuritists, yeah. <laughs> which means you need to hire them and all the team's growing and, like, you know, it's good to have someone else in your position to, to, to talk to about that, no? Yeah, look, absolutely. And that is the biggest constraint in Australia right now is, is skill shortage, mm-hmm. without a doubt. And, and, you know, we all look at it differently. Um, I see it um, as an awareness thing. Um, you know, people will say that, you know, they can't get a, a – particular technologist to do a particular install of a firewall. Um, I see that as just a very simple training thing. I think it's more of an awareness, a mindset, a, um, people embodying cyber um, and, and making it more inherent in, in your go-to-market or in your business itself. Um, and, you know, people have not really seen value in it in the past. Like, it'll never happen to me, right? You know, it's like that insurance policy. It'll never happen to me until you have that car accident and go, yeah. oh, thank God, I, you know, thank God for the NRMA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. People need to look at it as insurance. Yeah. Uh, I actually think that's 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 the right way. Yep. And what you know what you said that's quite interesting because not everyone has it. Is that you enjoy to work? Mm. You know, I enjoy to work. There's a lot of people. Some people don't. Yeah, oh, I see that. Yeah, I you see, know, I it's see an that. odd thing. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, what makes someone just love to work? I was selling furniture at one point, and I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was great. I was coming up with new ways to sell it. <laughs> like I had a full little system where I'd get the coffees and, you know, but, it, it, you know, it, it, what do you think it is that, that, that makes you like that? Uh, look, my dad was a um, – he, he, he was a – he's retired now, but he was a real worker, you know, like um, – and so was mum. They, you know, they worked all through my childhood, um, you know, good or bad. You know, it really depends on your perspective, but – um, you know, that we ca- I, I come from a working background, you know. I come from a very, um, you know, we get up in the morning, we put our shoes on and we go to work. And look, I, and I'm actually quite proud of that. I think that that's a good ethos to have. And, you know, I, I do see a lot of people who probably don't have that sort of work ethic. Um, but also it's very hard for me to turn off and sometimes, you know, it, 
uh, comes across probably me, you know, sort of pushing harder and harder and harder and, you know, it does bring out probably some of the bad traits of my personality as well. Um, but at the end of the day, it's always for the better. You know, it's always to better either myself, better the business or better um, our employees uh, because, the, you know, as we grow and as we become profitable and as we, you know, um, get more and more customers on board, it's there's more opportunities, there's greater career path, there's more education, there's... Um, you know, there's the opportunity for, um, um, you know, bonuses and, you know, there's there's wealth. It's a wealth creation um, opportunity for not just myself but, you know, for, uh, for the business in its, in its whole. And um, I know that you have a, a young family. Mm. I guess what was it about business that – because uh, this business started in 2017 <coughs> um, and you've got uh, – I think you mentioned your oldest – She's 14, yeah. He was 14. Um, so, I mean, you started the business with a family. What, what, what was the thinking process behind that? What were the fears and also the – what were the pros and the cons going on in your head regarding do I do, I do this, do I not, I've got a family? Was that yeah. a um, – I've always um, – like I said, you know, I enjoy working. So I, I always had it in the back of my mind that, you know, um, we'll be okay. You know, like, you know, it's like everyone else in Sydney. We had a big mortgage, you know, we had school fees, we had all that sort of stuff going on. Um, but at the time, um, I remember when Greg and I first started talking about uh, this particular business was um, we were both working for vendors at the time and, you know, it was very much, you know, we'd been on that sort of uh, that wheel for a long time and, you know, forecasting and, you know, um, there's a saying in, in – IT vendor land, which is strategies 91 days. So if you don't get it done in 90 days, well, there's going to be a new strategy for you. So, um, you know, it was high pressure. You know, it was, you know, we earned well and we, you know, it was, it was fun. We had a lot of fun in vendors. Like what vendors. do you mean by vendors? Um, so a Cisco or a Microsoft okay. or a, you know, oh, okay. an IT yep. vendor. So um, Greg and I both worked at Juniper Networks. Um, I worked at F5 and Avaya and a few other uh, vendors, um, Scalar more recently. So, um, and that allows you to be very, uh, you talk about one topic, right? So it's, you know, this is the products that we sell. This is, you know, what you'll get out of those products and this is how, you know, so, um, but it became sort of long in the tooth for us. We were burnt out, you know, and, um, and we both recognised it at the same time. So we'll and so what you thought starting your business was going to make you less burnt out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the fuck was going through your head there. <laughs> no, there was a lot of alcohol involved, yeah, I can tell you that. I can imagine. Yeah. So um, and we thought, I oh, will give it a go. What could go wrong? Anyway. And have you regretted it or have you, are you happy with the decision? Someone said to me once, a startup is like um, champagne and razor blades. It depends on the hour. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> and so what stage is the business at now? So it's been, what, four years? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the business has been acquired recently. So oh, you got purchased? Yeah, we got purchased. Oh, so, was um, successful? Yeah, well, yeah, was we got an exit. So yeah. that's, that's um, you know, we're, we're really happy with that. Um, you know, it's uh, – I was more of the silent partner at the start of the business as well. So, you know, I continued working, um, you know, with vendors. Um and, you know, once we sort of started getting some momentum, I, you know, sort of stepped in and started running the business uh, jointly with Greg. And, um, and then last year we sort of went, well, Christ, you know, this is what's going to happen. We, no one really knew, right? And then all of a sudden uh, there was three people trying to buy us. And, um, they, they would have had quite big insight knowing, okay, cybersecurity is about to blow up. Let's, let's, let's get a control of the market. Yeah, and, and that's sort of what it ended up being, right? That, you know, it was a bit of a, 
bit of an auction, but um, you know, we we chose to keep it very um, very fair and equitable, and not really, you know, um, we we kept the powder dry between all parties and whatever else. And I think we ended up with a very good um, a really good result. Uh, so a company called Cipher Point bought us. Um, and um, because of that, we um, you know we, we can now scale to um, what we have always aspired to do, right? So, um, and that's starting to play out now. And it's you know we, we're attracting um, different customers, we're attracting different talent, where um, we're seeing a lot of different changes, not just in our um, you know in, in the marketplace, but in ourselves and in the dynamic of the business. And that, to me, again, is a, a different element of success. Uh, that the business now is um, – it's its own entity, it's its own organism. Mm. And it's kind of living it's, – it's grown mm. past you. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's living independently. You got it. And that's, that's really important to me is that, you know, I don't have to be in the business for it to succeed. You know, it's um, – I can see other people now succeeding off their <laughs> own hard work and their own commitment to the business. And that, to me, that inspires me. You know, I can see the sparkle in people's eyes now um, when they come to, to come to work, and they, you know, we, you know, we ring the bell and we do all that sort of stuff. That you what know, do you ring the bell for? Sales, your new clients. Yeah, yeah, sales, and you know, just anything that the guys do. Like you know, um, our um, our finance manager the other day passed a CPA, and we'll, you know, everyone was really proud of her. Um, that we're starting to see success, not just from a business perspective, but also from a personal perspective, and. Um, we try and celebrate that. You know, we have monthly drinks. We have, you know, monthly birthday cake. You know, we try and be as, um, you know. Community, family. Yeah, and that's important to me. Yeah, we, I really like the concept of business isn't, like I said, uh, how many hours do people work normally? What's the average work day? They're at the office nine hours. How, how many are they awake? 16 hours. 16 hours. hours. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, they're at the office like with 60%. Of their time, exactly. roughly. Yep. So it's not really work life. You can't look at it. It's not just work. It's mm. it's just hey, they've got this many hours in a day. They're spending majority of it here. Yep. This is life. This isn't work. We 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 have to celebrate life. You know, that's 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 how I believe businesses should uh, operate. Exactly what you're describing. It's look, just absolutely. And the, the, I think the other part here is that um, we choose to employ people, but they choose to be employed by us. Um, it is a, it, it's a mutual um, choice that we have to celebrate together. Right? It's, and I think that's the part of, uh, especially in, in a startup mentality, is that people are taking a risk on you just as much as you're taking a risk on them. Like we could have gone out of business very quickly um, and they would have lost their livelihoods. We, we would have lost, you know but they would have lost just as much, you know, relatively speaking. So um, you have to be very, um, very thoughtful about that when you're hiring people and, and making sure that you do help them along the way and, and because they're helping you too, right? And you can't afford to pay the big bucks that, you know, the other bigger companies are. So not only are they taking a risk, they're probably taking a, a um, you know, a financial, um, you know, sort of lower amount as well. So, look, it, it's – you've you got to – part of me and I don't always do it well and I you know I, something that I'm you know I always aspire to to get better at is to create that community within the business and make sure that um uh everyone wants to be there and everyone actually enjoys themselves while they are there yeah that's incredible leadership but something's me you've got such a I guess positive and, and community family like 
attitude. But one thing I wanted to ask you and talk to you about was overcoming adversity mm -hmm. because um, obviously we discussed uh, prior, you have experienced uh, some great adversities and, and uh, obviously the whole world's been through and, and a lot of people still are going um, through some very difficult times. And I guess I, I wanted to hear about what you've been through because it was brain cancer yep. which happened at this – was that when you started the business or – uh, just after, so um, yeah, just after we sort of started the business, I um, I fell sick um, with um, it was actually really rare sinus cancer that um, went into my brain. Yeah, and I mean, there's never a good time for brain cancer, but after you start a business, is <laughs> trust me. After you start a business, is definitely not the no, time. That's right. And I guess what did yeah, would you would you want to share your lessons and perspectives that you gained from such a difficult experience? Um, yeah, well, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I'm not particularly very sensitive about the topic itself. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it was very, it was, um, uh, it was really scary, you know, uh, from, from a personal perspective, you know, knowing that there's something growing inside you that um, wants to kill you. <laughs> it's like, you know, usually that's yeah. something on the outside, right? So yeah, um, that's, that's that, even that's an interesting yeah. perspective. So that, that really did psychologically take a bit of a toll on me, sort of an understanding that there was something inside me that everyone was really fascinated by because it was so rare. But also, um, you know, I became a bit of a pincushion and all that sort of stuff. But, um, With new tests and things. Oh, yeah, massive amount. Like, you know, I, I, used to, I used to faint at the side of a needle. Now you could come at me with a, I don't know, whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't big care. Needle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, big needles, whatever, yeah. small needle. I don't really care anymore. But um, it, it's... You know, that whole process taught me a lot of things um, because I, I'd been through a bit of adversity earlier, um, 10, year, 10 odd years ago as well. I, I'd broken my neck as well. So, um, and these two, you know, they're very, very life-defining moments, right? And like we were talking about before we started the podcast was it was my own little mini COVID. Um, and I sort of look at COVID um, you know, the, the way, like en masse of what happened to me is that we all sort of, when COVID hit, we all supported each other. You know, like we're going through this together. This is really bad. We don't know what's in front of us. You know, are we going to die? Is it, you know, like what's in front of us? We, we don't know. Um, but as an individual, when you're going through that, you really do rely on, on your support network. Um, and that's, that's family. Um, and family um, may not always be the best support network because they're, they over-rotate and they really do care too much. Whereas sometimes you need to be left alone and just, you know, and, and just know that um, things are going to be taken care of. And, um, you know, when I got my diagnosis, um, <laughs> I'll never forget it. I, I rang my wife and said, um, I think I've just been told I've got cancer. And she's gone, oh, don't be stupid. You don't have cancer. Anyway, um, three days later, I think I was being operated on. So to have part of my brain removed and, um, you know, and that's, that, that's fine. But, you know, Suze and I, um, you know, one thing that, um, you know, you, you go through the, the, this adversity and, and, you know, your wife, your partner, your kids, your, your mum, your dad, you know, they just sort of really support you and really give you a platform that you can start to heal from and better yourself from. And because like, you know, every day you're sort of thinking, God, is it going to come back? You know, and that's that's frightening, still frightening to me today. Um, and that's what drives me. Everyone goes, oh, well, how come you didn't slow down after that? You go, well, 
because I don't know how long I'm going to be here for. I've actually sped up. So, you know, there's so much more I want to achieve in my life. There's so much more I want to get out of life um, and I want it to happen now, you know, and I, I want everyone to come with me and, um, and enjoy it at the same time. Sometimes it's, never, it's not fun. Sometimes it's not always happy but um, it's the, I can see the goals. I can see the objectives far clearer today than before I was diagnosed. And that's, that clarity is, um, I believe, my superpower. You know, it's um, something that I can, you know, I, I don't stop. I, you know, I'm very motivated. I'm very um, excited about, you know, what's next. It, it, it's, it's almost incredible to think that something so horrible, I mean, being told you had cancer, um, could could also eventually actually be a positive in terms of improved your would you call it you, you have an improved view on life and how to and how to live it or what um, would you it's like going from one set of um, train tracks to another right so I was on a on a trajectory to go that way and now I'm on a tra- trajectory to go that way and I sort of feel like I left a lot of the, you know, a lot of things behind um, to start a new journey, right? And that journey, you know, there's still the same people on the on the train. Like, you know, the, the train's still going in the same, relatively same direction. Just drop some of the bullshit that Just drop some of the isn't bullshit. important in life. Exactly. And that's that's important to me. In your, you know, you talk to people about me and, you know, everyone will say that he doesn't change for anyone, you know. And it's uh, because I don't have time and I'm... I'm not all that interested in it either, you know, and it's, um, you know, I just want to get on with it and, you know, make sure that we are all doing our best and um, and we all, you know, live to succeed, I suppose. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it, it literally changed your, the, the, your direction in life yep. and for, for the better. I think so, yeah. yeah. And do you, do you feel that um, having overcome uh, that situation, well, I guess it's not overcome because, like you said, you still do have the daily fear of um return but but that daily fear how do you manage that um i make myself very busy all of the time yeah you know? and then um yeah look and to be honest with you it's um my it's my fear it's no one else's fear so you know a lot of that rattles rattles around in my own head and um you know but as time goes on and i think time's on everyone's side right you know a lot of people see it as it's against them but time fixes most things and um, as time goes on you sort of forget about a lot of that and you sort of but but inside you you can feel a difference in regards to what you know your tempo your expectations your um, you know objectives and that uh, for me comes through every day and um, and that's why I turn up to to work that's why I you know I I you know do what I do yeah you want to get the most out of life yeah but I want to get not just for myself you know, this is not about – this is actually not about me. It's actually about, you know, making sure my kids get the most out of life too, making sure that, um, you know, the worries that other people have, we don't have, you know, and I want to make sure that everyone's taken care of and um, and can have the time to enjoy, um, you know, the fruits of our labour. It's also really um, kind of eye-opening, if, even for me, because, um, like, if someone's to meet you, they're not going to have any sort of um, perception or understanding that you have, you know, 
an internal fear going on mm. you know, from an experience. And, I mean, a lot of shit happens to a lot of people. You know, basically everyone in life has some something hor- horrible happening. You, yeah. It's just part of life. There is adversity. And you just don't know what the person's got on the inside, you know, like what, I guess, not secret, but, you know, what what internal um, internal thought that's that could be there based on something that's happened to them, you know, it just maybe reminds people to be more empathetic or… Well, that's it's funny you, you use that word actually. So, um, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a story, whether it's business, whether it's personal, or whatever. Like you know, and it, we should all respect that story. Um, that's the, I think the first lesson that I learned is that I've seen a lot of things in my life that um, I wouldn't ask anyone else to endure. Um, but as you know, when we hire, and we've hired a few grads recently, and I, I you know, I always ask the uh, the same question. What's the difference between empathy, sympathy, and apathy? And Are you asking me? <laughs> Can you answer that question? Yeah, I could. Yeah. Well, I don't know what apathy means, so I can't. Do that. <laughs> That's, but, that gets it. But, That's the one that gets everyone. Well, yeah, I just don't know what the yeah. word means. But uh, sympathy is sympathizing from the outside. So Laura's sad. I sympathize with her because she's sad. Empathy is the understanding of why she's sad and and feeling that sadness for her. I, I can I, I relate to you I can and apathy I don't I've never heard the word before so <laughs> just forget the other two and then yeah. you got apathy oh is, okay. is that what it <laughs> Whatever. is yeah is that what it is um, yeah look and it's you know I I have a deep level of empathy uh, for people um, and one thing that you know going from those train tracks to the other is that I I struggle to sympathize um, because you know it's everyone's in charge of their own destiny too. I can empathise with you and I can say, look, you know, I'm here beside you and I'm happy to help and I want to, you know, see you succeed. But, you know, I'm not going to sympathise with you if you're not willing to do it. And I think that's a, a big life lesson for me is that, you know, something that I learnt, um, I've become more empathetic, less sympathetic. And it's, um, it, it's really hard, especially in business, to sort of be like that because you all of a sudden are very caring but you come across very unsympathetic. Um, so, you know, it's... It, and I've got to, I've really got to work on, you know, sort of evening that out and making sure that, um, you know, I'm, uh, I continue to push people, but you know, in, in a very empathetic or very uh, productive and proactive way. Mm. And do you feel that? Um, I mean, there wasn't just one great adversity. There were there were two. You, you had the you broke your neck. Mm. Um, how'd that happen? <laughs> well. Um, so one of my best mates, actually, he and I were out uh, riding our bikes um, out at Westhead, uh, mountain biking. And ironically, I stopped riding on the road because I saw a guy get hit by, by a truck. Right? So I went, I, you know, I got home and I said to my wife, right, I'm not, no longer going to ride bikes on the road. I'm going to do mountain biking. She said, that's a great idea, um, which proved to be quite the opposite. Um, so anyway, we'd gone out and done a, um, a massive ride uh, we're in between two uh, two rides, and um, I looked down and went, "Geez, I'm going really quick here. Like, this is, you know, this, I was quite proud of myself how fast I was going." Looked up and he'd stopped right in front of me, dead in the middle of the road, and um, a wasp had gone down his top, and I had to swerve to miss him, and I went over the. Who, uh, who's this? My mate who I was out riding with, and uh, I swerved to miss him. Went over the handlebars. I twisted my 
head all the way around so my chin was on my back. I saw my body fold over the top of me and then I just laid there and nothing worked. Now that's frightening. That is quite possibly <laughs> the scariest thing that could that could happen. You probably should have just got off bikes altogether and chose to start running or walking. <laughs> I, should have, I should have done <laughs> something, anything, yeah, exactly. anything, but yeah, exactly, I agree. And what goes through your head at a moment like that? Um, two things actually. Um, geez, my wife's going to be angry at me because she was going out with the girls that night. That wasn't going to happen. And I'm never going to be able to play with my kids again. And those two, they were very sobering thoughts because it showed me how much I actually respected my wife but also how much I love my kids. Yeah, and those, I mean those were the two thoughts, wife and mm, kids. It's absolutely. Family is your, yep. is your thoughts. And I mean I feel that from these two experiences, the two things, what you brought up after was that, okay, yes, they affected you and yes, with life, but more so they brought more awareness to your internal need to to do as much as you can now to support those you love, to support your kids and family, and that, that seems to be what was the, the yeah, look, common adversity. You know, we, we, we all – from adversity. Yeah, absolutely. And, look, these are choices that we make as, you know, as partners, as uh, individuals, as what are – you know, we're the ones who choose to be married, we're the ones who choose to have children, we're the ones who choose and, – and those choices are forever, right? Um, and I think that – you know, it's you, you, you know what I've done is probably doubled down on that a little bit more, and you know, made sure that everything I do sort of always comes back to that, and making sure that we are, um, you know, we are sort of getting the most out of life. And you know, we um, recently, you know, like bought a boat, um, and I, I said to Suze, I want to buy a boat, and she said, uh, What for? And I said, It's a memory maker. Like this is something that you know the kids going to look back, you know, when they're older, and and look back and say, you know, it's um, you know being out in the boat with dad and all that sort of stuff, that means a lot to me. It's not about the boat. It's, it's also a- safer than a bike. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know that I'm not going to fall off that. Yeah, yeah, well, no. yeah exactly. Yeah, you're and, right. And I guess, yeah, like I mentioned, these, these, this is a time where a lot of people are going through a lot of adversities and, mm. and, and honestly COVID, whatever else, a lot of them are a lot less than what, what you've been through. What would be, what would be your – uh, advice to anyone going through any advert, big or small, adversity is adversity. What would be uh, your advice to to people when yeah. bad things happen? Yeah, I think bad. Um, you know, it's okay to slow down. It's it's okay to stop. You know, usually the cliche that everyone says is you know network and friends and family and all that sort of stuff, and that's just inherently there. You know. But um, as business owners and as, you know, entrepreneurs or whatever you want to call, you know, uh, us, I suppose, is um, it's okay to slow down. It's okay to, to ask for help. It's okay to go and speak to someone. Um, and it's, you know, and, and the rest sort of comes. Um, you know, it's you don't have to save the world and the world doesn't have to save you. It's just, you know, time will fix, um, you know, what you're going through. And as long as that you stay um, positive and motivated – um, you know, you'll get through it. You know, of course it depends on, you know, how bad the adversity is. But um, I always sort of see that, um, you know, I've not always been positive. You know, this is, you know, my positivity probably is coming out for this podcast. But um, it's, it is about other people sort of holding you up and, and keeping you together and, and having good friends when, you know, you need to have that conversation and to be open about it, to be vulnerable. One thing that we're really bad at doing 
is actually being vulnerable and telling us, you know, telling people about how scared they are of failure. Failure, like we fail. We're humans. We're not, you know, we, we are not Superman. And I think that's the other part is the adversity. We all face it, you know, some more than others. Um, but being vulnerable, being open and being honest with yourself um, about those particular worries and concerns and fears is, is actually okay. Um, if you think that um, it's not, well, you're the problem. And it's, it's almost some have, I mean, people face different levels of adversity in life, but I guess to relate it back to cybersecurity, <laughs> yeah. um, it's kind of like you need adversity insurance in that you need to understand that adversities happen, bad things happen, and you need to have, I guess, learn from people like yourself and, and so many others who, who have overcome yeah. things that, well, wait a second, like something horrible, two horrible things have happened to me in my life and and look now, I'm better. I'm on a better track. I improve relationships with my family. I bought a boat, uh, you know, like I, yeah. I'm successful in business. I'm, and it's, 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 it's kind of, um, yeah, you kind of just want to be aware, hey, bad things can happen and you, there's always a way to, there's always a way through. Yeah, look, it's, and don't be naive, I think, is that, you know, prepare for the worst. Um, you know, like there is something around the corner. And, you know, it really is, it's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. Like that's just life. And I think that having that as an open sort of thought process in your brain sort of saying, well, you know, if it does go bad, you know, what do I do? You know, do I have the right income protection insurance? Do I have the right insurances in place? Do I have the right network if I need it? You know, what happens if I can't go to work? Who's going to do my work for me? And having that sort of, you know, that's a very common thing in business. Um, but as a startup or as a smaller business, you don't have that same depth of, um, of resource at your avail, right? So you, you do need to think a little bit differently and you do need to, you know, I was very lucky. I had, um, I had Greg as a, as a business partner who really helped um, a lot and took a hell of a lot on for me during that particular uh, time. Um, and, you know, and that probably also changed the course of his life as well, right? And he had nothing to do with it. He just happened to, you know, be in business with me. Um, so, you know, I, I'm very thankful to those sorts of people in my life that have really, um, you know, helped along the way. And I think that's where, you know, if you are, you know, if you are concerned about those sorts of things, making sure that you do have a contingency plan in place um, to make sure that you can deal with the bad and enjoy the good. You know, the good hopefully is there much more than the bad. And, and also a lot of it would, is to do with your perspectives. You, know, you can always see things in a positive light. You can always see the positives that come from um, things that are negative. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, it, I mean, what I've taken from, from this conversation is just that um, everybody has a story. You know, yep. everybody has a story. Everybody has experiences that, that they can choose to make them stronger. You know, it, 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 it's a choice, would you say, that, that – Bad experiences can make you stronger. That's a choice, or no? Uh, it's your choice. I, I think it's the you know it's a choice, and it's not it's not absolute either. Um, I think that everyone's got a story. It's how you deal with it is um, how you're respected for it, um, and it's a daily thing, right? Like it's you know some days you're okay with it, some days you're not, and I think that's where um, you know you really your support group helps you get on that on that journey as well. Um, for the bad days? Yeah, well, 
you know, and they, most of the time they don't even know they are. You know, it's just the fact that they're around you makes the difference. Mm. You know. Yeah, that's a beautiful. That's a beautiful lesson. And thank you so much for sharing um, that insight and, and, and those stories because, I mean, I can tell you now that's going to help a lot of people and, and it's, it's even kind of opened my eyes to, to things. Um, uh, but we do have to wrap up very soon. Yeah, that's cool. And I won't ask you greatest lessons in business because I, I love the lessons you just shared. I guess if you were to recommend a book to, to um, the entrepreneurs and business people listening, yeah. what would be a book you recommend? So just my last story, I suppose. Um, so one of my um, very first customers, um, John, um, we uh, were quite good friends, whatever else, and he, uh, he recommended a book for me called um, the, uh, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, um, which is also uh, by Vern. Hirsch of Hernish or something. Hernish, yeah. that's it. Um, and he also wrote Scaling Up. So um, Scaling Up is probably my most recent good book and um, I'm currently listening uh, from uh, good to great. But Scaling Up um, as, a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, uh, definitely a book that I'll recommend for sure. Yeah, it's a fundamental. It, it, funny enough, um, I'm reading the new Amazon book, which I can't remember what it's called, but I was reading and I didn't like it. I got bored. Hmm. and I read every morning at breakfast, like I mentioned, yeah. and I went, went to my library and I just wanted to grab a book to, to you know, start something new. And I, it was because it's a big – it's kind of a big book. It's like a square. Hmm. And so it was sticking out. So I was like, oh, take that, grab that. And I started reading. This is – I only – this was maybe two weeks ago. I started reading. I was like, this is fantastic. I was like, this is a – this is a, a – it's the fundamentals of – you don't have to follow everything in this no. book. It just – it's, it gives you examples of how to operate your business and you take what you yeah. you take what you, what well, you like. One big thing that I took from that book, uh, don't be scared to delegate. And that, that if you think about the, you know, the absolute essence of business, it's actually about scaling your business and that comes with people, that comes with getting tasks done, that comes with productivity. Delegation is just that in its, in its process. 100%. Hmm. Uh, but let's wrap up there. To our listeners, uh, if you want to uh, find out more about Brace 168, why Brace 168? I forgot to ask you that. Funny, 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 funny story. Um, again, a few beers behind that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're um, like me, all, all good things come after. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, so Brace is about supporting, about galvanising, you know, surrounding. And 168 is 24 times 7 equals... One six eight. How funny! <laughs> that definitely was after a few beers. Yeah, that was. <laughs> but back to what I was saying. If you want to find out, if you want to learn uh, more about Matt, his lessons, uh, stories, all this type of stuff, uh, or reach out to him, or find out more about Brace One Six Eight, uh, go to cub.club forward slash podcast, and you'll have everything you need there, along with uh, a lot of other great information uh, with all of our podcast guests. Matt, I can't thank you enough um, uh, for your time today. Honestly, I was I was really blown away by the conversation, and, and I'm so thrilled to have you in the community uh, and to have you uh, share your your life story. Yeah, thanks, mate. Really appreciate it, and awesome. I really enjoyed this process as well. It was good, well, quite was cathartic. I, was I an all right uh, host? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Thanks, I, I really try. Right, to the listeners, hope you enjoyed the show.